Uh, good morning. I, you guys are kind of like, Zach's already out here. I wasn't ready either. So uh, normally come out a little bit later. But uh, man, I'm so glad you guys are here, uh, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room this morning. Uh, we're going to do things a little different today uh, for a purpose. And uh, I'm excited about what God has in store uh, for our time. Um, I, I just, you know, as I, as I woke up, you know, Monday morning, um, I don't know about you guys, but um, so like last Sunday night, I was watching football and I DVR'd some stuff. So I had no idea when I went to bed about the different things that were going on in the world, specifically Las Vegas. So I woke up Monday morning, um, like many of you may have done, and turned the news on and, and got on social media and kind of saw what was going on. And this, you know, as I followed the story of the Las Vegas shooting throughout the course of that day, you know, the death toll just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And the, the number of the wounded kept growing and growing and growing. And, and all these questions came about. And, and I don't know about you, but if I'm just being honest with you, um, I, I was struggling. I was struggling this whole past week, just feeling this heaviness, uh, feeling this weight. And, you know, and I started thinking about it. You know, this has been, you know, for me anyway, and for, you know, our country, um, and this has been a season where there's just been a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, you had hurricane after hurricane after hurricane, and you had devastation in, in Houston, devastation in uh, Florida, Puerto Rico, and the, the different Caribbean islands and all that kind of stuff. And then there's, you know, hurricane, you know, hitting right now, and it's not the size of the others, but we want to pray for those who are in the, 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 the path of, of, that, of that hurricane. And, you know, you, you kind of take that, then you've got this, this, the, the divisiveness in our country. Uh, these people can't seem to get along about anything and, and people are angry and taking sides. You've got, you know, all the stuff that happened in Charlottesville. You've got, you know, North Korea and the United States, this constant, you know, tension of, okay, what's going to happen next and what's going on and, you know, the church shooting in Antioch, Tennessee. And then it was like Monday, that shooting in Vegas. It was just like, I don't know about you, but I just, I was, I was shocked. I was saddened. Um, I just felt heavy. Um, I was tired. I was just kind of tired. I was tired of, of hearing the news about one more tragedy, one more thing kind of going on. And, and I don't know, you ever felt like that? You know, maybe, maybe that's how you feel right now. Um, you're kind of like, Zach, I was hoping we'd come in Sunday, you'd pump me up. But I'm like, I'm with you. You know, it's like, you know, and, and, and not just like that stuff in this broad way, you know, this broad scale, but, you know, just individual struggles, you know, people in our, in our church, people in my life that I know that are going through difficult times, financial struggles, job struggles, relational struggles, you know, just, um, you know, health issues and all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know about you, but you know, you, you, you want to have hope and you try to have hope and you keep turning to hope because there's nothing more powerful than that. But it's just like, sometimes you just kind of start asking the question, you know, what's going on? You know, Jesus, is it time for you to go ahead and come back? Because it just feels like we're not making any progress toward anything like we need to be going, you know? You know, what's, you know, where's God in all of this? Maybe you've, you've asked that question before as well. And, and as I was thinking about that this week, you know, I, I really thought about those questions. And for me, when I don't know something, I always go back to what I do know. I try to do this. And so, you know, many people are asking, where's God in all of this? And I go back to what the Bible tells us, that God is real. God is good that God's here with us, that he has a, a greater plan. And even in the darkest of times, he brings light and hope and, and joy. And, and it's funny how in, in times of deep tragedy, there, there's the grief, but then there's also stories of heroism 
and stories of people who decide to put their best forward in the midst of tragedy. You know, in Las Vegas, you, you hear story after story of, uh, you know, people running back into the crowd to rescue those and to help those who weren't able to flee. You see perfect strangers, even family members as well, covering and shielding the people around them. There's stories of retired military um, military members and first responders who were there, you know, plugging bullet holes in people's legs. There's a story of a guy who stole a truck um, because he had to get people to a hospital. And it's like, even in the midst of like these dark, tragic times, hope always seems to tr- rise up. Like there's always this, this glimmer of hope. There's always this, this, this little bit of, uh, of love that you see pouring through. And, and in the midst of those dark times and, and in weeks like this and in hard times and tragic times, because listen, I'm looking at this from a, from a distance and I feel bad even kind of saying that, that I'm kind of down and, and it's been a hard week because my downness and my hardship has nothing compared to those who are directly affected. But if we're honest, we feel that way. And I know you do because I follow you on Facebook, right? And that's kind of what we, what we shared. But what was interesting is I was praying through that and I was looking at it. God brought me back to a, a passage that we, we've talked about in here before. It's one that Jesus said in John 16, 33. He said, I told you these things. What things? His teachings, his promises, what he's doing in our, and has for us. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And it's like Jesus is saying to us, and he's promising to us that, that in, the, in the darkest time we can have hope. When, no, when nothing seems to be going right, Jesus has already overcome that. That in, in, in the tragedy of, of the, the things we've been watching and we've been watching through and looking at over the past weeks, that, that there's still hope and there's still love, that God has a plan and God has a purpose. And not only does God want us to experience his plan, experience his purpose, to find hope in the one that can never fail us, but he wants us to be a part of sharing that hope with the people in, around us and, and the, the tragedies that are going on. And I thought it was interesting how, as I've been walking through that, as I've been talking to some of you walking through this hard time and these questions of, well, what's God doing? What's God up to? How can I respond? What can I do? We go to the passage that was already calendared in our, in our journey through the study of Acts. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, or after chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And what's so cool about this passage is, in light of everything that, that's been going on, in light of all these different feelings and emotions that, that maybe you've been feeling like I have, we see that, that the very first followers of Jesus, the very first Christian church, they viewed themselves a certain way in light of the brokenness around them. That the brokenness in our world comes in different ways at different times, but these first Jesus people lived in a world where there was hurt where there was sickness, where there was hardship, where there was tragedy, where there was need. And they viewed their purpose in that in a very specific way that I want to challenge you with and encourage you with this morning because God's been challenging me in my heart that same way. And so if you have a Bible, turn to to Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And if you're new this morning, here's kind of where we are in the context. We're in a series called Jesus People. We're looking at the birth of the very first Christian church. 
So in the story of the Bible, Jesus has come. He lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death on a cross. God raised him from the grave. He hung out and appeared and taught his, his followers for about 40 days. And then he goes up and ascends to heaven to be with God. And in this season that we're in still today, waiting for the return of Jesus, we live in this time where we have the promises of Jesus, but they're not fully fulfilled yet. So we live in this tension of hope in hopeless times. We live in this tension of of joy in in tragic and sad times. And so the first Jesus people in Acts chapter 3, we see encounter brokenness in their world. And they decide to do something about it because they viewed themselves as being called healers. They viewed that in their life, the purpose and one of the purposes God had for them in the midst of a broken world, in a hurting world, in a world that's full of tragedy and full of suffering, a world that is not fully fully there, a world that will always leave us struggling. They said and they understood that the call for them as followers of Jesus was they were to be healers in the midst of a broken world. Let's look at this story. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So there were three times throughout the day that Jewish people went to the temple in Jerusalem and they prayed. So you guys can't get here once a week, right? Can you imagine them getting like three times, right? You know, three times a day, they're going to church and they're going to church to pray. Now, Peter and John are, are Jewish men who put their faith in Jesus. So they're Jewish believers. So they were still going to the temple and still living out some of the, their faith and what they learned in Judaism, but they did it with a different perspective. They believed that the Messiah was Jesus. He was the one who had come to save the world of sin. And to give the world new purpose and and give people eternal life. And so they went to the temple to pray. But as they went to the temple to pray, they weren't going like everybody else. They were going praying in hope because they had experienced who Jesus really was. Now it says this. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. So they're going into the temple in Jerusalem. And it says that there was a man who was brought there every day by his friends, and he was placed on the way into the temple. And this man was disabled. He had been disabled from birth. So the only means of employment, the only means of, of money, the only means of, of, of anything was what people gave to him. So every day they would take him and they would sit him on the way to the temple because part of the Jewish faith and part of what they were called to do was to be charitable to those who were in need. So it was a great place to be, you would hope, because people were going there with a focus on God. So he's sitting there waiting, and he's waiting for people to give him money so he can live. And this is all he does every single day. And it says, verse 3, when Peter, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So he asked Peter and John, hey, can you you spare some change? Can you give me, can you get some money? You know, I'm, I'm in need. So Peter looked straight at him. As did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. So Peter and John are going into the temple. The man sees him, and he says, sir, can you help me out? Do you have any money? Do you have any silver? Do you have any gold? Can you, can you spare some to, to help me out? I'm, I'm in need. And it says that Peter and John saw him. When they saw him, they looked at him. And the man looked back at Peter and John, expecting that they were going to give him some money. And he had an expectation 
that was different than what Peter and John actually are going to do for the man. Look at verse 6. It says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Peter and John healed this man of his disability. Physically brought healing to his life. The man was expecting hopefully some money. And they gave him something completely different. They gave him something he wasn't even expecting. They gave him something that he you know, was, was maybe hopeful for. But had probably lost hope in because he had come day after day just trying to get by. That he came across these two followers of Jesus who gave him healing. And we see all throughout the story of the early church, they viewed their role in a broken world to be that of healers. Once you write that down, Jesus' people, we're looking at characteristics, how they viewed themselves, how they understood what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this world. They viewed themselves as healers. They viewed themselves as bringing wholeness to what's broken in our world. They, bring, they, they viewed themselves stepping into a broken world, people in need in practical ways, and helping to mend what was broken in the world because of sin. And we see this isn't the one time and only time that this happened. That, that the early Jesus people were known for their healing work. Look at Acts 5, 12 through 16 on the screen. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, which is a certain section in the temple. And no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Let's kind of clarify. Those are sentences that don't seem to go together. It says that there were some, right, who refused to join them or didn't want to dare join them. But then they grew because people joined them. Like, what's going on? Is, is Luke kind of having a hard time writing this day? Like, what's going on? Well, it's because the, the, the religious leaders viewed these Christians, these followers of Jesus, as troublemakers. So the outstanding religious people were, were, were leery to join in with them. But eventually, many of them did join because they couldn't resist what God was doing through these Jesus followers. So more and more people are joining into this first church, this first community of believers. And look at verse 15. As a result, because they, they became known for who they were and what they were doing. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and they laid them on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. These Jesus people were known to be healers. They were known to be healers. So much so that when Peter, one of the, the leaders, would, would walk down the street, that people would bring out those in need, that, that hopefully his shadow would at least fall on them because he was known to be such a healer that they were hoping that even his shadow had healing powers. They were known as healers. Now, this instance, and some of what it talks about there, focuses on one aspect of how they brought healing. That was physical. And so the question you might be asking yourself is, okay, well, but does God still heal people physically? Like, does that still happen? 
And I believe it does. I believe that God still can heal people physically. And that as followers of Jesus, we're called to pray for the healing of the people we know who are sick. Now, here's the reality, though, is not everybody is healed on this earth. And so we're not called to necessarily, you know, predict the outcome. What we're called to do is we're called to pray. We're called to pray for those who are sick. And sometimes in very spectacular ways, like what happened to this man, God heals. There are stories of people you know who they were sick and God healed them. And there's no medical explanation. It's not coincidence. It's the power of God. There are others who, it wasn't as spectacular, but God brought them healing in their life. And maybe it was through medicine, through technology, but God healed them that way. But here's what I want you to know, that no matter whether or not somebody is healed on this earth, as a believer, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, your healing is guaranteed. Sometimes on the earth, but if not, always in heaven. Because God is a healer. And if your life ends because of sickness here, your life's not over. You fought the valiant fight, and your reward is healing for eternity in heaven. And God still performs miracles like that. And we're called to be people praying for the healing of those that are sick. But it's not just physical healing that we see happening in the scriptures. We see that Jesus, when he came, he didn't just heal people physically. He healed people in all kinds of different ways. Number one, he healed them spiritually. That was his biggest message, is that you're spiritually sick and you're broken because of sin. But because of Jesus, you can be healed. You can be made new. Your sin can be forgiven. So we see Jesus healed people spiritually. And these early followers of Jesus, they went to heal people spiritually as well by pointing them to Jesus, the one who could ultimately forgive their sin. Now we see that Jesus also did heal people physically. He he made the blind see. He, He made the lame walk. He actually rose people and raised people from the dead. But in addition, he took care of their physical needs. He fed people. He calls his disciples, his followers, to feed people. So we want to bring healing physically as well. Jesus also brings healing emotionally. Jesus gave dignity to people who were outcast in society and showed them that they had value and they had, they had a place and a purpose because everybody matters to God. Jesus did that with the woman who was caught in adultery. When the religious leaders came and wanted to shame her, Jesus shut that down. And he dealt with her sin, but he did so in a way that brought dignity to her. And he also comes to heal relationally. He teaches time and time again how we can live in relationship with one another in a good way. How we can forgive, how we can move forward. And these Jesus people, these first Christians, they understood that that, that their role in a broken world was to be a healer was to to bring help and hope and comfort and peace and joy into the brokenness around them. And Peter and John did this for this man. But it wasn't this this one instance, like I said. They they were known for this. And even as history goes on in the story of the church, Christians were the ones who were known to, to go into areas where plague existed to where sickness existed in areas of famine the christians were the ones who went in to care for and bring medicine to those who were sick because everybody else wanted nothing to do with them i think it's so cool that that in in the tragedy of the hurricanes recently 
that th- there are news stories by just, you know, regular, legit news agencies that are confirming that the church, that Christians have outpaced aid and response over any other organization, including the government. Why? Because when Christians understand the call to be a healer, they can bring healing to brokenness. And so what I believe is, is, is we look at the world around us and as we find ourselves in weeks like I've kind of been in of feeling the heaviness and the weight and the questions and the, the depression of, okay, I mean, what's going on in our world? It just seems like nothing's getting better. It seems like nothing's happening. That our response is to actually step into that, view ourselves as the healers God has called us to be, and that we're the ones who are supposed to bring his kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven as Jesus prayed. So here's what I want to talk to you about in the time we have today. Is I want to talk to you about this. How are we healers in a broken world? How can we be healers in a broken world? Because I guarantee you this. We don't have to look very far to see brokenness. But we don't always step in and try to bring healing. So I want to share with you from, from Peter and John the example that we see of, of what they did for this man and how I believe God is calling us to do this for the people in our life and even the people we don't know when tragedy strikes. So write this down, five ways that, that we are to be healers and how we can be a healer in a broken world. First one is this, is that we need to learn to look for the brokenness around you. We need to learn to look for the brokenness that's around us. Look at Acts 3, 3 through 4. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So the man who was in need initiated the conversation. So did Peter and John not see him? Were they focused on something else? Were they going, were getting ready to go to church? And, you know, maybe what was going on? Like, we, we don't know what was going on. But it says the man saw them. And he asked them for money. But then when they became aware of the need, look what happens. Verse 4 says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And the wording is this idea that they looked intently at the man. It wasn't that they just kind of glanced and kept going. It was that they looked intently at him. They looked him in the face. And see, for us, it's easy when we see brokenness around us to acknowledge it, but then to kind of act like we don't see it, right? But we have to understand that, that God wants us to be healers in a broken world, and healers look for and pay attention to the brokenness that's around them. That, that neighbor who, you know, you don't see her husband around anymore and the yard's kind of growing up and you're getting mad because the weeds are starting to cross over into your property, but yet there's not been a conversation of, hey, what's kind of going on? How can I help? The coworker that comes at the wrong time because you have a deadline that at the end of the day and you've got work to do, but they just need to pour their heart out because their marriage is failing. You know, that person on your, your, your kid's soccer team, who they always kind of show up and they're always running late and you're always frustrated because they forget snack day. But you kind of recognize and realize there's probably something more going on than just the fact that they don't have a watch. See, healers look for the opportunities around them where they see brokenness. And they don't just glance at it. They pay attention to it. But not only do we pay attention to that, and Peter John look directly at the man, Healers have to be willing to do something. 
If we want to be a healer in a broken world, we have to be willing to do something. Peter and John saw the need, but they were also willing to do something about it. Look at verse 6. It says, then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. So the man said, hey, listen, do you have any money? Peter said, no, I don't have any money. He said, I don't have what you're looking for. The man had a need. He said, I don't know that I can meet that need. I'm not at a place to do that. But it didn't stop him from still helping. He said, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give. So I think sometimes we focus more on what we don't have to help people out than what we do have. When in reality, what Peter and John had for the man was so much bigger and better than what he was even asking for. He was hoping to get some money for lunch. They helped the man walk. See, sometimes I think we underestimate what God has given to us to help other people, to bring healing to other people's lives. And they're not even looking for what we have because they don't even understand what we could offer them. But instead of focusing on what we don't have, a lot of times we got to focus on what we do have. Because we all have something that we can offer to someone in need. We just have to be willing to do something. Look at Galatians 6.10. Paul says it this way. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We're called to do something. And not just for other Christians, though that's a priority. It says, especially to them, but to do good for all people. But I think sometimes we also kind of play this, this game in our mind that, that, that takes us all the way back to when we were growing up in first grade, right? Isn't it funny how sometimes the things that we were taught as kids had good intentions, but they don't really help us out later on in life, right? And, and so I don't know about you, but, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, if you brought something special, you had to have enough for everybody, Right? So I remember one day, you know, I brought some gum. And so gum was like a, a treat because you weren't allowed to chew gum. Well, I brought some gum or whatever. Or I had some candy. And I remember I, I got it out and the teacher said, Zach, if you don't have enough for everybody, you can't, you can't, you can't do that, right? Because fairness is everybody has to have the same thing or nobody gets it at all, right? And so I think sometimes we've kind of taken that when it comes to helping people out. And we said, well, if I can't help everybody, it's not fair to help somebody, Right? Well, if I, I, can't, I can't meet everybody's needs, so I don't want to play favorites because the Bible says don't play favorites, right? Uh, you know, I don't want to play favorites. I don't want to just, just, just reach out to that person because what about that person? If they hear about it, they're going to get mad about it, and then I won't have any friends. And all, you know, it's like we get caught up in this whole idea of fairness. But the reality is this, is sometimes our wanting to be fair is an excuse for us having to do anything. Andy Stanley's a pastor of a church, big church in Atlanta, and he, some of you guys have done in your, in, in your life groups, you've done some of his studies and stuff, but, but I was at a, a conference one time, and it was on leadership, and, and he, he made this statement, and I've always remembered it and tried to live it out. It says, it says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. He made this joke, he said, listen, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden, right? When sin came into the world, nothing's going to be fair. So quit trying to be fair and do good for who you can do good for. Do what you can with what God's given you. You might not be able to help every family, but God's put you in the life of that one family so you can help them. Do what you wish you could do for everybody, even if it's only one person. And so they did something. Now listen, there may have been on that day, there may have been other people around who needed healing. But the Bible says they focused on this one guy. Now, 
God doesn't heal everybody. Jesus didn't heal every single person he came in contact with. But he did for the one what he wished he could have done for everybody. And we've got to live that same way. So we've got to look for the brokenness around us. We've got to be willing to do something, even if it's only a small thing for, for a small number of people. We've got to be willing to do it. The third thing is this. is We see Peter and John trusted in the one who can truly heal. Peter and John trusted in the one who can truly heal. Look what they said in, in verse 6. It says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. See, they understood that they did not have the power in themselves to heal this man's legs. But they believed there was one who could. And they did what they did, not in their own strength and power, but they did what they did in the power of God in them. Through Jesus. I think sometimes in the same way we focus on what we don't have, we, we, we convince ourselves there are just certain things that, that, that we could never do. Well, I just, I, 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 could, I could never do that. That's great that you do that, but man, I, I, could, I could never. Listen, the church is full of people who at one time or another told God they would never do something, and they're doing that very thing today. I can't tell you the number of people who, who I've heard say, I, I would never work in children's ministry, kids' ministry. And now they do, and they love it. The person who, when I was a student pastor, said, man, I told myself I would never go to middle school camp. And they go every single year now. Why? Because God said you need to do it. And when they did it, they found that they could actually do what God called them to do. The people who say, you know what, Zach, I, I could never go and just you know, take lunch to somebody who is in need because I, I'm an introvert. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that. Or I could never pray for healing for somebody. I mean, because, you know, what, what if, you know, I, who am I to pray for their healing? I, I don't have enough faith and all that kind of stuff, right? God is all about taking your I will nevers and making them the thing that he's going to use you to do. And he does that because he wants you and me to understand that it's not about us. It's about him. And when we trust, and we trust in the healing power of Jesus in and through our life, then we step into areas where we want to bring and we can bring healing. And time and time again, we see that when the the, the early followers of Jesus, when they did things and they served people, they always pointed back to Jesus because it reminded them and it reminded other people that there's only one who can truly bring healing to brokenness. Their job was just to be the vessel, to be the go-between, to help people experience it. Fourth thing is this, is that we need to look to meet both physical and spiritual needs of others. We need to meet both the spiritual and the physical needs of other people. There's always this debate when we talk about the role of Christians in, in, in our world. That there's kind of this debate that people want to get into that I think is kind of a frivolous de- debate because I think the answer is both. People say, well, Zach, you know, you, you, you know, it's not good to just go and help somebody out and never tell them about the gospel. Then you have other people say, listen, just tell them about the gospel. Don't worry about helping them out. And it's kind of like, listen, when we see these early church followers of Jesus, we see the early church and we see Christians and what they've, what they've been doing, it's about not just physical or spiritual. It's about physical and spiritual. To go and focus solely on the physical need that somebody has without thinking about their spiritual need is only part of what it means to be a healer and to be a follower of Jesus. 
but the same way to only go and focus on somebody's spiritual need while ignoring their urgent physical needs, I think also sells the same thing short. And we see that, that Peter and John did this. Look at verse 17 to 21 on the screen. It said that they, they healed the man. They go into the temple. Everybody's kind of looking around going, hey, well, what's, what's going on? This is pretty cool. Something happened. They, they met this guy's physical need, and now they begin to address everybody's spiritual need. And it says this, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. So they're, they're sitting there talking, going, listen, that everything you believe, it's about Jesus. The same one who a little bit earlier they said is, is how this man is healed. And so they say, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. At times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So they didn't just want to heal the man physically, they also wanted to heal people spiritually. And we see that it's important to do both. And then if we only focus on one side or consider one side, you know, like the end-all, be-all, then we're going to miss out on the call that I believe he has for us to be healers. Look what James writes in James 2, 14 through 16. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And here's the example he gives. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? He says, listen, suppose you go to somebody, they have a physical need, and you bless them in the name of God. And you bless them, you say, I'm praying for you, I wish you the best, but you never do anything to address their physical need. He says, what good is that? He said, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, dead. He's saying, listen, that we're called to meet both physical and spiritual needs. It's not an either or. If somebody you know is having a, a spiritual need in their life, we need to go and meet that. And as we meet that, look for ways we can tangibly bless them physically. Help them out physically. If they have a physical need, we need to go. And as we go and help out those physical needs, we need to be reminded of praying for them and pointing them to the greater spiritual need that the Bible says we all have. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. And here's the last thing. We need to remember that nothing is more powerful than the love of Jesus. When we encounter brokenness in our world, we got to remember that nothing is more powerful than love. That nothing is more powerful than the love that we see in Jesus, the perfect perfection of love, the perfect example of love. That nothing, nothing is more powerful than his love. Nothing's more powerful than his love for you. Nothing's more powerful than his love for our world. Nothing's more powerful than his love expressed through loving acts of kindness and ministry in our life. And if we want to be healers, we, we've got to remember where it all comes from and what it all comes down to. That it all comes down to love. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Paul writes this, that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. He says love never fails. Other translations say love conquers all. And so if you're like, okay, Zach, well, how do, I, how do I begin to live out a life as a healer? Well, there's practical ways, but it all begins, first and foremost, with the heartbeat of our life becoming the love of Jesus. 
Because the heartbeat of a healer is love. The thing that drives everything else is love. That's why when Jesus was asked what's the most important thing, he said what? Love God and to love others. Because if we want to be healers in a broken world, we've got to love God. And we've got to love others. And it's funny because Jesus even says love is what will be our defining characteristic. Look at this in John 13, 35. He says, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I love you, you must love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you're my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Jesus said love is at the heartbeat of a healer. That your love for others expressed in action, expressed in healing, that that love is what's going to set you apart. You know, I, I said this week's been, you know, kind of challenging just because of seeing all the different things that have been going on. But it's funny how in those moments, how God reminds us of what's most important. On Tuesday, I, uh, I was driving into work and I heard a, a song on the radio. And the song was called Dear Hate. And it's written by a country artist named Marin Morris. And it's sung with a guy named Vince Gill. Some of you guys hate country. You have no idea who I'm talking about. But, like, I was listening to the, the, the song. As I'm listening to the lyrics of the song, I'm driving to work in this, in this mindset of, like, you know, God, where's the love? Where's, you know, where, where's the hope? Where's the peace? What are we called to do? And, and it was like, as I listened to the words of this song, it expressed exactly what the gospel's all about. And so I, I reached out to Ryan. I said, hey, can we, can we find a video or the audio and play this song? He goes, well, let me just learn it and, and we'll play it. So I want you to listen to the words of this song because I believe it sums up the heartbeat of a healer. It sums up the hope that we can have in Jesus and the hope that can, can lead us to look at a broken world and ask the question, God, where are you calling me to bring healing? So listen to this song. Shock that takes my breath away. You fall like rain, cover us in drops of pain. I'm afraid that we just might drown. Dear, hey, will you sure our color blind? Your kiss is the cruelest kind. You could poison any mind Just look at mine Don't know how this world This world keeps spinning round 
Cause you were there in the garden Like a snake in the grass I see you in the morning Staring through the looking glass You whisper down through history And echo through these halls But I hate to tell you Love's gonna conquer all Dear hate You were smiling on that summer bridge In Dallas when that bullet hit And Jackie cried You pulled those towers from the sky But even on our darkest night The world keeps spinning round Cause you were there in the garden Like a snake in the grass I see you in the morning Staring through the looking glass You whisper down through history And you echo through these halls But I hate to tell you Love's gonna conquer all gonna conquer all dear love just when I think you've given up you were there in the garden when I ran from your voice I hear you every morning Through the chaos and the noise You still whisper down through history And deckle through these halls Tell me love, oh love Is gonna conquer all Love is gonna conquer all says love bears all things believes all things hopes in all things endures all things and never fails you know what happens when healing comes is another part of the story in acts 3 8 through 10 it says this that after peter and john healed the man says then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising god When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. See, when healing comes and when we live our lives bringing healing to brokenness in our world, God is praised. God is praised. And not just in the lives of those who are directly affected, but the, the lives of the people that, that see. That they're in wonder and they're in amazement because they recognize that hope truly can be found. That's why it's so important to live as a healer. So where, and here's the, the takeaway question. Where is God calling you? Where are you being called to bring healing?
It might be to bring physical healing and meet physical needs in the life of a neighbor or somebody in your family. It might be to bring emotional healing, help, and support to somebody you know going through a very difficult time. It might be to seek healing in a relationship, in, in a marriage, or in a, in a family situation. It, it, might mean, you know, it might mean, you know, just stepping out and, and telling someone about the love of Jesus and how that can change their life as it changed your life. Where's God calling you right now? To open your eyes, to look at the brokenness, to do something about it, trusting in the one who can truly heal looking to meet both physical needs and spiritual needs around you and and basing everything you do on a heartbeat of love. As I was walking through this week and in the the past several weeks, I I, I sent a text and and, and called our our communication director. He does all our social media. I called him Monday and said, hey, will you put a post up just on behalf of our church saying praying for Las Vegas? As I got off the phone, I started thinking. I was like, I'm getting tired of making that phone call. Praying for Houston, praying for Florida, praying for Vegas. It was like every single week, there's just something else to pray for. And I felt like God in that moment just saying, Zach, just pray. There's nothing wrong with the post, but every single day, there's something to pray about. As I thought about it this morning, I felt like God was just leading me to say and to set, a tie, set aside a time to just pray. See, I believe that there's some that God is specifically in this room. It's calling you to step into a certain area, relationship, and bring healing. But see, healers not only know how to heal, healers are being healed. And it could be that the bigger thing right now is that today there's some in this room who you need healing. You need healing. You need healing from a physical issue in your life. You need healing emotionally because fear and worry and anxiety are, are crippling you. That you feel like you can't get past the depression in your life. You need healing financially because you're without a job. And you need help. Maybe you need healing spiritually because you know that you can't do life without Jesus and he's the only hope that you could ever find that will never disappoint. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask our prayer team to to go to the sides here now in these moments and I'm going to ask everybody else to stand. And I want to invite you to respond to God. Now listen, I understand that that not everybody is, is comfortable with moving out of your seat in settings like this. But I think sometimes the change of a posture, the change of our heart, and even the place we're standing, it, it, it says something about how important what we're doing really is. And so we're going to have a time right now where we're going to take the next several minutes and we're just going to pray. And maybe you are somebody here today who you need prayer for a specific thing, for a health issue, for a relationship, for an addiction, for anxiety, for worry, for a child. And I want to encourage you to step step out of the row and go to the side and let one of these prayer people and these teams pray for you.
Now listen, you might not know who they are, but if you trust me at all, trust this, that I've asked them to be there. And I trust them to pray for you. Or maybe you need to come to the front and you need to kneel because that posture is how your heart needs to be humbled right now. And maybe you need to pray for somebody or pray about something in your own life. But if you'll bow your head and close your eyes with this, I want to open us in prayer and then we just want to have a time as the band kind of plays underneath us just to respond in prayer. But as we sit here with our head bowed and our eyes closed, who needs to move? Who needs to take that first step out to the aisle to go talk to somebody, to come to the front, to kneel, to kneel where you are? Don't allow fear, don't allow worry to keep you from experiencing what God wants to do in an unexpected way maybe today. God, we give this time to you, trusting you. And we enter into this time of prayer, God, taking the next few minutes just to focus our hearts and minds on you. Will you just pray to him today?
Father God, as we stay in this moment of prayer, I want to pray specifically, God, in this room for, God, those who are in need of physical healing. God, we pray and we believe that you can heal in a miraculous and spectacular way, God, right now. And that you call us to pray for the healing of those who are sick, God, and we do that, trusting in your timing, trusting in your ways, but believing, God, that you're at work. We pray those for those, God, here who are here today who are struggling with, God, emotional issues, God, who are wrestling through fear and anxiety, worry. God, who are maybe contemplating harming themselves because of depression. We pray for healing to come. Quiet the negative talk of the enemy in their life in the name of Jesus. Bring them wholeness and peace again. God, those in here who are struggling relationally, God, restore marriages. God, restore kids with their families. Restore broken families. Restore friendships, God. Restore broken relationships, God, in every form. And God, we pray for those who are financially struggling, God, that you bring wholeness to their life and healing and peace and provision. And God, for those in this moment who need to say yes to Jesus, to come into their life, to forgive their sin, that in this moment they would make that decision and that declaration in their heart. God, we turn now not just to prayer, but to worship, being reminded, God, of who you are and what you're doing. And so, God, hear our praises. Continue to move in our midst. In Jesus' name.